Merry Christmas, if I haven't said it enough yet. Merry Christmas. This morning, we find ourselves in the fifth and final installment of our Christmas series, The Wonder of Christmas, and our focus this morning will be on, if you didn't guess it from the video, His Birth. This video that we just watched reminds us in maybe a fresh way of what happened on that first Christmas and the fact that it looks a lot like that messy barn on the outskirts of Bethlehem, but not. (laughs) It doesn't oftentimes, probably most of the time, correction, all the time. It doesn't look like those nativity scenes that we find sitting in our homes, those ones that are on our office desks and are depicted in all of those really pretty seasonal Christmas cards that we receive in the mail. That video pointed out the fact that it's exceedingly likely that that's not how the real first Christmas was played out. Jesus, in fact, did, hear me now, come to get messy. Not an amen in the house. Why? Because that flies in the face of our image of Jesus. We've kind of painted ourselves into a corner with respect to what Jesus is really about. Because when Jesus ceases to align Himself with our product of who He is and what Christianity really is about, we get a little anxious. Because that just doesn't look like the way Mama told me. That doesn't look like the children's stories that we had read to us or and or we read to our children or grandchildren. That birth that took place in that messy barn on the outskirts of Bethlehem took place in what can only be described as a place that can only be described as anything but clean and sanitary in terms of an environment. As beautiful as a new birth is, and they are, a bit of a mess tends to go hand in hand with eventually seeing and subsequently holding the product of that birth, and that is that beautiful brand new baby. If you've had the privilege, and some of you have, of being in the birthing room when a baby was born, you probably can testify to the miracle of the childbirth. It tends to come with certain sights and certain sounds and maybe some smells and other various and sundry sensations that can only be described as a bit messy. If you happen to have been in a birthing room with your wife and made the horrible, horrible mistake of holding her hand during labor. Number one, you a big dummy. But number two, we'll pray for the healing of those bones. 
after growing in a womb for nine months, there is going to be a cleanup process that has to take place once that baby arrives. But please know that no matter how sanitized and how scrubbed that everyone in that room may be, before it's all said and done, there will be some beautiful mess that accompanies that bouncing baby boy or baby girl. Do you know who got invited? Who got an invitation, personalized invitation, into the middle of the birth mess that was Jesus' birth? Of course, we know that Joseph was there because he was, he was one of those men who learned, do not hold your wife's hand. But he was there to help Mary through this whole process. But there was another set of invitations sent out. And that was to the shepherds who arrived shortly after the baby Jesus was born. If one word was used, if we would just one word, apply it, and describe shepherds of the first century, it would likely be messy. Shepherds were messy people with messy lives. They don't live like you. They didn't then, and many of them don't now. But regardless, the angels invited them to come close to the birthplace of the in the, at the manger where the long-awaited Messiah was finally born. Messy people with messy lives and messy smells and messy actions with messy speech were specifically invited into a messy birth to see divinity. The first invitations, messy people. Wise men, yeah, they came later. But the first invitation was to messy people in messy environments into a messy place. If the messy shepherds were invited in to see the newborn king, then a precedent, ladies and gentlemen, has been set. A precedent for all who may have some mess in their lives. A precedent set that although your life may be messy, and let's be honest, whose life doesn't have a little bit of messy? That precedent is that despite any and all of that, you have been invited to approach the king. The doors are open. Such a precedence means that we too have a shot. That you and I, we have a chance. There is an opportunity awaiting us to draw close. Draw close and draw near to the Lord Jesus Christ. Our imperfect and sometimes messy lives do not disqualify us as people who can encounter Christ. There aren't any people that don't have mess. So all people, God so loved the entire world. He came to get messy. And He invites us to draw near to Him. 
this Christmas. The writer of Hebrews, out of the fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews, that author wrote this, Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, praise God, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. In other words, Jesus invites us to come close to him so that he has the or so that he has the opportunity to jump right into the middle of our mess. Do you notice that the word of God never instructs you to scale out of your mess to approach God? It's no. It tells us vividly what you do is you call on him and he'll climb into the middle with you. He was tempted by the devil, Matthew chapter 4, just like our forefathers were, just like we are today, and just like our children will in the future. He was tempted. He was tempted to get tangled up in the same kinds of sinful messes we find ourselves in. Just go back in Matthew 4 and read it. You'll see it. But he never let the mess invade nor derail his perfect life. He knows where we are and how to get us out of our messes. If you remember weeks ago when I introduced the word identification, that He can identify with us. It's not that He has sympathy on us. God does not have sympathy on us. Sympathy doesn't fix anything. What He did was be born in a manger so that He could put on flesh and become like us living this life. Not some separate, isolated life. This life, having been tempted like us, yet without sin, that way when He died and ascended and seated at the right hand of God, forever and always making intercession for you and I, He understands and identifies with what we go through every single day. He knows where we are. He knows about our messes. And look at me. He's not shocked. Aren't you happy? God is on the throne going, Oh my word, did you see that? That's not God. He understands. The Apostle Paul writes about this extensively. In one place, in his letter to the church at Rome... Paul talks about how the Lord came to save uh, us from our mess. Why? Because He loved us so much. Listen to this. This is Romans chapter 5. For while we were still weak, 
at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one might dare even to die. But God shows love for us, God's love for us, in that not while we were good, we aren't good. Not while we are righteous, we aren't righteous. Not without Him. But while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. This is talking about the mess we were in with God due to our, the sin that is in our lives that has, let's be honest, so entangled us. There are times where it's interesting to try to untangle the web that we have created in our own lives. And that doesn't work very well, does it? No. Because we can't. But He can fix that mess. However, Jesus loved us so much that even while we were in the biggest sin mess that we could have possibly created for ourselves, He came for us. He came from heaven to earth and was born so that ultimately He could one day take our place on the cross, and the cross was for fixing our messes. This ultimate act of love took care of the sin mess that was running rampant in our lives and throughout the entire world, throughout all of history. He made a way back to wholeness and single-handedly cleaned up our mess once and for all. Eugene Peterson says it like this, quote, When we sin and mess up our lives, we find that God doesn't go off and leave us. He enters into our trouble and saves us, end quote. I keep saying this week after week after week, just because your life goes off the rails and you find yourself committing some form of sin, something that is not pleasing to God. Remember, saying something, thinking something, or doing something that God wouldn't want you to do. For some odd reason, we have bought into the notion that God gets mad at us. God does not get mad at you. God has sent His Son and paid the price for that sin. And you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, your ticket for eternity has been punched. Stop thinking that God is furious with you when in reality God is there with you in the middle of your circumstances and He is trying step by step, by step, to grow you out of those circumstances. God isn't mad. God is working overtime on your behalf. This is part 
of the wonder of Christmas, the wonder that started at his birth in Bethlehem and culminated at the cross of Calvary. Jesus loved us so much that he chose to come close in the middle, right smack in the middle of our mess. Mike Iaconelli, in his book, Messy Spirituality, talks at length about Jesus' desire to get close to messy people just like you and me. Jesus actually came to meet us in the middle of our mess. And this is what Iaconelli said, quote, Jesus wants people just like you and me to get close to Him. Jesus loves people just like you who live in a city, have a wife or a husband, three kids, two cats, and a washing machine that stopped working. Jesus loves people who are single, work 60 or 70 hours a week, and have parents who wonder why they're not married, and have friends who make much more money than they do. Jesus loves people who are divorced, still trying to heal from the scars of rejection, trying to cope with the single parenting of a child who doesn't understand why this has happened to them. Jesus wants all of us who do not necessarily live in a monastery, who don't have it all together, and who probably never will, to feel welcome in His presence. He welcomes you in the midst of your messy life. End quote. It is, part, it is the part of the wonder of Christmas to realize that Jesus is not, was not, and never will be afraid of our messy spirituality. In fact, the truth about many of our lives is that messy spirituality is an accurate description of the kind of Christianity that most of us live, but that of who very few of whom are willing to admit. However, it is such a relief when we realize the truth that Jesus is not put off by our lives no matter what kind of mess that we may find ourselves in or how inadequate we may feel about ourselves this Christmas. No amount of mess can discourage Jesus from loving us fully in our humanity. He came to get messy because He knew that there were, that we live lives that are messy. He came to get messy because this is where we live. And for God so loved the world, He gave and He came. Right in the middle of our mess of sin, He came. Regardless, He doggedly pursues us in the face of it all with love, a love bigger than whatever mess we may find ourselves in. The psalmist talks about God pursuing us no matter how much mess we may be living in and experiencing in our messed up lives in a 
verse of Scripture that every last living person in this room and probably throughout most of the world have heard. It's the sixth verse of the 23rd Psalm, and it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's your verse today. If your life's a mess, if you live a messy spirituality, if your Christianity is anything but pristine, you hear me, if you love the Lord Jesus Christ and you are bought by His blood, shed at the cross, then let me tell you something. You shall dwell with Him. What that verse reminds us about is that no matter, (laughs) no matter how much mess our life may be in today, there is still, there is still a great wonder to behold this Christmas. The reason is because the God that we are celebrating, who was born in a manger as our Savior, is the one who came from heaven to earth to show us the way to new life. He is the God who continues pursuing us in the middle of our mess with His goodness and His mercy. It's what Jesus described about the Good Shepherd going after the one lost sheep. The one. The Good Shepherd who went after the one lost sheep that had wandered off and who subsequently found itself in a real mess when it finally looked around and saw that it was separated from the rest of the flock. Jesus says this in the 18th chapter of the book of Matthew. He says, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders off, you ever wander off in your Christianity? Buckle in. Will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? He started this out. What do you think? Isn't that what he's going to do? And everybody's going, yeah, that's what he, yeah, okay. And listen to the, listen to the words. Look at, look at this. Verse 13. And if he finds it. I guess sometimes when sheep are actually people, we have to want to be found. And if he finds it truly, I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. Let's be honest. We have something in common with the Father. We don't like losing things. How many of you have had 100 bucks in your wallet and you go to count it and there's 99 and you go, where is that dollar? Honey, do you know where that dollar is? Start lifting up couch cushions. Asking the kids, grabbing them by the ankles, turning them upside down, shaking them. 
Well, it's not a dollar, but it's a dime, and I'll take it. The good shepherd, Jesus, was talking about pursuing that one sheep that was in a mess because it had wandered off. And he was pursuing that one. His perspective in pursuing the one was to save its life. Goodness, mercy in its heart, vigilance in his mind, determined to recover that one sheep. That's you and I. This Christmas, you and I need to know or we need to do something. If you live a messy Christianity, and let's be honest, we all do. As pristine as we think, as pious as we think we are, we live a messy spirituality. And let me tell you what we need to do this Christmas. We need to slow down. We need to put it in neutral. We need to slow our roll. Because what we do as born-again Christians is we find ourselves in any variety of messes. And we immediately go to our brains and we try to intellectually figure out what we're going to do about that mess. And when we do that, we exhaust possibilities because those possibilities don't get these things fixed. Jesus does. And if we will stop long enough to acknowledge the fact, I can't fix this, throw it into neutral and slow our roll long enough to let Him catch up with us. Or better yet, why don't we just turn around and walk back to where He's at? what the prodigal did it's funny when you're broke lonely far away finding yourself in a set of circumstances that your birthright dictates you should not be there and you're filthy from head to foot how quickly you'll figure out you know what i need to go back to dad If we choose to put our messy lives into His holy hands, we can have confidence in everything that is written about Him in His Word. That He specializes in dealing with our messes. That He knows how to make something new. That He knows how to make something beautiful. That He knows how to make something clean again. Jesus is all about giving people a fresh start in life. When they decide to put their trust in Him. Perhaps this Christmas you just need a fresh start with Christ. Maybe that's the set of circumstances that we need to look at. Maybe you just need a fresh start with Him. Maybe you need to go back to where it all began in that Christmas story we just heard about. And remember, remember that innocence in the form of a baby stepped into very messy circumstances in order to save us from our very messy lives. If you missed it earlier in the message, read that part about uh, messy shepherds being invited into that messy barn to look into that messy little manger to worship divinity in diapers. Let's look at Luke 2. Luke 2, Brother Gary read to us earlier. Luke 2 reminds us of 
this truth concerning the shepherds. The Scriptures read, And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. You know, that last statement right there in verse 19, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. You ever wonder what would have gone through that young lady's mind? What was she pondering? Maybe, maybe she, she, it was all such a blur, she was just trying to assemble all the stuff that occurred. Thoughts of how, what happened? Uh, what happened was not quite how she thought her first hours of motherhood would play out. That's just not how I pictured it. What a mess. What an unbelievable, holy mess. On the other hand, man, what a delivery. I mean, talk about deliveries. Mary delivered the Savior of the world, who would in turn deliver us from our sins. You see, in delivering the Savior, that was one of those messy situations. Painful, loud, laborious, arduous. You know, it was no different when Jesus delivered us. Painful, loud, laborious, and arduous. Jesus would rescue us from the mess we made of things and the mess we made of our lives. Tyler, would you come with the the worship team? In time, Jesus would grow out of that manger. He would grow out of being a baby. He would grow out of being a toddler and an adolescent, a teenager, a young adult. He would mature and he would teach his disciples how to pray. At the end of that prayer, the prayer we call the Lord's Prayer, Jesus prayed in Matthew chapter 6. He said, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus was helping us to know how to pray when trying to navigate through the messiness in our lives, the messy living and the messy decisions and the messy thoughts and the messy speech, the messy destinations in our messy spirituality. Deliver us from our mess. Amen.